Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, we said that we would update uh, anything around the Liam Cohen departure, and that's now official out in L.A. Like, we, we know that Liam's gone, and, and Kentucky reports on uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, who was the guy that reported? Do you have the tweet pulled up there? I want to make sure I give credit to – yeah, it was uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Reports that Rich Scangarello, uh, quarterback coach for the San Francisco 49ers, a lot of NFL experience uh, working with quarterbacks, I think seven seasons, I believe, in the NFL, will be Kentucky's next offensive coordinator. Obviously, that hasn't been confirmed by UK, but uh, strong indications that that report is definitely correct, that that will be Kentucky's next offensive coordinator. So, Derek, I'll ask you right off the top, what do you think of the hire? Well, I think it was really important to get someone from this kind of system. I mean, because you're at a spot where you're just a few weeks away from uh, spring practice starting. You can't be in a situation where you're trying to install a home. I mean, there's just not time at this point to install a new offense. So you needed to get someone who was pretty familiar with the terminology. And it's interesting that, you know, Rob Calabrese was a guy from the Jets who coached under Scangarello, and that was kind of the guy who, up until today, really, was maybe thought to have been a front runner for this job. Then you find out that, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened there with Calabrese, whether he was just a name floated, whether he got offered, didn't want to come here, I have no idea. I, I tend to think that you know, Scangarello is a little bit more in, uh, advanced in his career. He's, he's older. He's nearly 50 years old been an offensive coordinator in the NFL and has had several stints with uh, Kyle Shanahan as his on his staffs. So he's been hired by him three times, which you hear the praise that Kyle Shanahan gets in the NFL. I think that alone will probably at least if it doesn't sell you on Scangarello, I mean, it's got to get your attention, right? That, you know, one of these offensive masterminds in the NFL has, has brought this guy, uh, you know, he got fired from Denver. And I'll say this too. Uh, I was reading the message boards before we hopped on here. Guys getting fired in the NFL is not unusual at all. Almost everyone gets fired in the NFL at some point. I mean, there are very few guys who haven't gotten. I mean, Bill Belichick got fired. <laughs> and then Nick, uh, Nick Saban would have ended up getting fired had he stuck around the NFL. I would, I would about guarantee it before he went to Alabama. It just happens. I mean, it's a tough league. Um, and really, you're at, you're at the mercy of your quarterback as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach in the NFL. Um, so that that doesn't. It's not a red flag to me at all that his stint with Denver wasn't wasn't great. Who was their quarterback that year? Drew Locke, Joe Flacco, someone like that, you know, not someone who's starting in the league today. So until you get the quarterback piece figured out, I'm just kind of – like I would I would make the argument, Sean, looking at his resume, this year at Kentucky will be the best he's ever been set up to succeed as a coach. I agree with that, uh, especially with what Kentucky has coming back. The quarterback and Will Levis – who, you know, Liam Cohen, you know, worked with and developed in his one season. And the, to me, Derek, the the big thing is he has experience working with Kentucky's new offensive line coach, Zach Yenser. Mm-hmm. I think that that continuity, that chemistry there, it should help the transition to a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, should make it easier on Kentucky's guys. And, and then you talk about all this experience that Kentucky has coming back on offense, I think that helps as well. I think Mark Stoops has to be tickled to death to, to get this done and the way that it's worked out with 
the situation that he's presented with Liam so late in the winter, getting close to spring, I, I think this worked out pretty well for Kentucky. I think so. I mean, you, like I said, to me, the most important thing in this hire was the, I don't necessarily want to use the word continuity because it's not going to be exactly the same as what it was with Liam, but the terminology and things like that should not be much different at all. And in terms of what you are looking for in a player, I mean, I, like making a hire like this means to, just to me, I think it's a, a reasonable thought with how basically unregulated the rules are in college, uh, college football right now. I mean, you had Tavion Robinson, who he's already enrolled, but Javon Baker is a guy who's signed. Like you bring in transfers in here who are expecting to play in a certain system. And when Liam Lee, you know, when he left, I, I think it'd probably be natural for those kids who are planning on coming here to, you know, maybe have second thoughts or maybe want to look around. But I think hiring a guy like Scangarello, if these kids watch the NFL, you're just talking about selling points, right? If you want, if these kids watch the NFL, they know who Debo Samuel is. Uh, they know that the 49ers have, have been a perennial playoff team played in the Super Bowl just a few years ago, uh, lost to the Chiefs. This should still be an easy sell, I think, for kids. And it's, you know, you're kind of selling the same stuff you were selling when Cohen was here. You're just going to have a, a different guy. And I'll say this, too. I've heard uh, through the grapevine that this guy is very, very highly thought of when it comes to quarterbacks. And I think one of the most important uh, – if you saw Matt Jones's tweet, which I'm sure you did. I was skimming Twitter a minute ago. He, he reported uh, – that Will Levis even sat in. I don't know if it was for Scangarello's, but apparently sat in on some offensive coordinator uh, meetings. So you know, if you're if you're Levis, he was probably the one guy out of everybody who was probably stood to lose the most with Liam leaving. Well, you're getting a position coach from the NFL who just coached Jimmy G, who's not a great quarterback, but again, uh, this is a guy who's been around a long time. For a guy like Levis, who this is his money year, he's trying to get to the league. I think he's probably feeling a lot better today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And just looking at this, I know Jacob Tammy actually tweeted about Scangarello too, and, and they spent some time together uh, when Jacob was in with the Falcons. I know Scangarello, what was he with Atlanta? It was, what, 2015? He was a quality guy. Uh, I don't think he was an on-field coach that year. But, again, I, I've only skimmed his uh, I think you're. Profile. I think you're right on that because uh, – Jacob was tweeting that he's pumped that they're staying with the Shanahan McVay offensive realm uh, with the hire. And uh, I, I think that's really good too. And, and you know, Stoops, they had a lot of success with that in the one season with Liam. He wanted to keep that rolling and uh, he did. I mean, I, how, how big is it too, that he got this, I mean, it's, it hasn't been officially announced yet. I would probably be looking for it early in the week next week for something on Kentucky's end, but I know Pete Thamel uh, did report that, uh, Scangarello agreed to a three-year deal with Kentucky. We'll wait for that to be official. But how big is it that Stoops got it done quickly and then got the guy that he wanted this close to spring to kind of keep all those guys in and fold and and kind of keep this thing moving and and not have it go and go on throughout the spring too far? Well, it's I mean it's huge. You know, this is uh, you had to get it. I mean, when Liam left, you didn't really have any time at all. And it sounds like Liam as well. I want to give a shout out to him. I mean, I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to our podcast, but uh, it sounds like he was very professional about leaving. And uh, I think everybody, I don't think any UK fans from what I saw 
were angry at Liam. I think everybody who follows sports and, and football in particular, like there's just some jobs you're just not going to turn down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had familiarity with, he was familiar already. I mean, with Sean McVay, he'd worked for him for three years before he ever came here. Like I said, on one of these pods before, he is probably going to be interviewing for head coaching jobs. Like, it's not crazy to say if they make a run at the Super Bowl again this year that Liam could be getting head coaching interviews next year. I'm not saying he's going to be a head coach in the NFL next season. And that's why but, he had to take it, though. Yeah, but being back in L.A., like, he's going to have more opportunity. Like, if his ultimate goal is to be an NFL head coach, which I'm sure it is, you're way closer to your dream if you go back to L.A. versus if you stay at Kentucky. So I think everybody understands that. But the fact that, too, you think of it this way, Mark Stoops, I mean, he took a gamble, I would say. And, and, you know, in a few years, you're going to look at it. And if Liam's potentially an NFL head coach, then, you know, it's it might be easy to forget. But you got to remember, this was a guy who was not even a, like, full-time on. Like, he was not – he was the assistant quarterback coach for the Rams. He was – I mean, he was kind of low on the totem pole out in L.A. And I know he had responsibilities uh, even with that title. But that was a bit of a gamble at the time to fire a guy like Eddie who he was close with and then hire I never heard of Liam Cohen before he got involved in that coaching search I would guess 99% of UK fans had no idea who he was so I I think from Liam yeah well it's a funny story uh I won't say his name on here but I was talking to somebody and you know I I think we were like everybody else we thought that Stoops was out there to see Shane Waldron who ended up being the (laughs) he ended up getting hired by the uh Seattle Seahawks as their offensive coordinator but when we found out that he told me the name, he's like, well, it turns out he wasn't out there to see Shane Waldron. It turns out he was out there to see Liam Cohen. I was like, who the hell is Liam Cohen? So it just shows you, like, I mean, and again, uh, for how quickly it went from who the hell is Liam Cohen to like, oh, man, they cannot lose this guy after one year. Yep. He, he did that good of a job. But this is a long way of me saying Liam – I don't know how much money he was making out in LA, probably not that much, you know, for, for what he was doing, his title. I mean, he was set to make over a million dollars this year and, you know, he was, sounds like he was really good helping soups, find guys within the system. And I don't, I don't know how well he knows Gangarello or anything like that, but it's a good way to go out. Now I also want to point out, I think they're like maybe hammering home how, Cohen left and how some runs just happened before but like I really think that the way Eric Wolford left just pissed yeah. them off so much <laughs> over at UK and they're just like making it a point every time someone like leaves on good terms like oh this guy did it the right way I mean when you leave the way that Wolford left you have to have a problem with it right yeah I mean it was I mean there's it, I mean I, I, I think everybody get yeah it's it's not the way to to go about it you know, it's really I don't know I mean that's just nobody would have nobody would have said anything if if Warford left for Alabama. Right. Like, like nobody's saying anything about Liam leaving for the Rams. Like, you know, when it's a better opportunity. And I just, I didn't, I didn't agree with that whole situation and how it went down. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I think oh, yeah, it was it was classless on his part, and I think that and I do think there's an added element, and this is isn't necessarily. Well, I think he should have been more uh, in tune with it, but maybe he wasn't thinking of it. But I do think for those kids who, you know, had lost John Schlarman the year before and he was yeah. brought in to, to lead what is, you know, one of the more notable offensive line groups in America these days in college football. And for him to bell that way, I mean, and, you know, you add in the history with Stoops too. Those guys are coached together. If you remember at SEC Media Days, he talked about them being, I think, at like South Florida when they were mm-hmm. younger. And like painting houses and doing construction stuff. I mean, they went back a long way. And for him to do it that way, that's just, uh, it just feels like maybe there's something more to that. But big picture, Sean, to, I mean, this is just uh, incredible to me. Kind of the, and it helps a lot being in the SEC, having the money that they have now to commit to football. But they've gone from a place where you in one year, and it was kind of the perfect storm for, for Liam to be here for one year and then to be able to get back to LA. But this is, you're able to go out and hire somebody who has their own, you know, pretty good resume. I mean, this is, it's just incredible to me that you're able to go out and hire somebody like this. And I had the tweet, I think on Sunday night or maybe Monday, whenever it became obvious that Liam was gone, you know, you're talking about in the past 12 months, they've lost Steve Twinkscale, who was behind Vince Mayer, their best recruiter to Michigan. They lost uh, Wolford to Alabama, so uh, the defending national runner-up, probably the heavy favorite to win the whole thing next year. Uh, obviously, Liam um, to the uh, Rams, and then John Summerall as a head coach. And really, you can throw—I didn't throw him in there because they're out of space, but you could have thrown in Brad White turning down LSU yeah. as defensive coordinator. That tells you a lot, and I, and I just feel like these coaches and, and these communities have to talk. The UK is a spot you can come and accelerate your career. Yep. I think Mark Stoops has proven that, that it's not a bad thing. I know it hurts. Uh, nobody likes losing a coach after a year or two. I get it. But whenever uh, – let's just be hypothetical here for a minute. Liam left after one season. Let's say Scangarello comes in as a really good job and can leave after – maybe he says two years does a good job gets hired somewhere else maybe back in the nfl or doing something else you will be right back in the same spot again where you can hire another really good coach it's just how it is when you establish yourself as a program i'm not saying they're alabama where you can you know not i do think there is something to be said about having continuity to to, to some extent i i don't think you can just lose coaches every single year but with that said in order to attract more quality coaches, you have to prove that this is a place where people can go and, and keep accelerating their careers. Position coaches aren't going to Kentucky. I mean, John Schlarman was rare. Vince Mira was incredibly rare. I don't know how many stories are, are like Vince Mira's in college football. Someone who would stay at one place and not even be a coordinator for a decade now. Yeah. That just doesn't really happen. Most guys are here. You can keep them for two or three years. You just hope they do a good job, and then you can go hire the next guy who's yeah. going to do the same thing. And that kind of feels like the the ones that have been the most important, right? Like a, a Mero who 
has this relationship with the fan base. And, and I know the coordinators that, you know, Brad Watt's been here for a while now, but the relationship with the fan base isn't the same as what Merrill's is, but Merrill's been here since day one. Stoops has been here since mm-hmm. day one, obviously. You know, how much do you think that that helps, that, that the guys that were here, like the main guys, that continuity, maybe not the continuity across the entire staff, but these guys that the fan base kind of relate to and and that that voice that connects the program with the fans, like Merrill, I mean, who connects the program more right now than Vince Merrill? Yeah. I mean, Vince has a very important job. If I were Vince, I would try to keep this forever. Um, you get virtually no criticism at all. Uh, I mean, very, very rarely <laughs> does he get criticism. And he makes over a million dollars now. And like you said, I mean, he is outside of Mark Stoops. You know, there's, a, there's an argument to be made. He's the second most important guy in the whole operation with uh, – you know, he's bringing in the majority of players. And especially if you look at last year's team, all the top guys were, were he recruited. It'll probably be that way in the in the coming years. But with that said, there are other you can't just have one guy in the SEC, you know, no. do everything. It is good to have that familiar face with Marrow. You can send him in on your top recruiting battles and feel like you got a chance. Um but you also have to have good I mean, Brad White, look at his background, came from the NFL um help develop josh allen he was another one of those guys like you can just and i haven't heard any interview at all with scangarello but there are a few guys you can just maybe interview them once or twice and you can just tell cohen that was that guy cohen was that guy brad white i mean brad white's going to be a head coach maybe after this season well uh in and my thought is this right like over the over the years like when kentucky when joker phillips when that ended and mark stoops was the guy like there wasn't really that clear cut guy out there that you knew from day one was like, okay, that's the guy you got to go get. Uh, Mitch identified Mark. They, they took a chance on it. No head coaching experience. And it's worked out uh, over the years, Rich Brooks, you know, when they, when they made that hire, it, it never felt like it was an easy hire to make at UK. The success that Kentucky's had under Mark someday they're going to have to replace him. Eric, when, when does that happen? I don't know. Is it five years from now? Is it two years from now? Is it 10 years from now? I have no idea, but it feels like the success that this program is having by putting these coordinators, they're, they're eventually becoming head coaches. Look at Summerall right now, Cohen to the end, back to the NFL at some point will be a head coach. It feels like they're going to have plenty of options in that coaching tree to look at and maybe get their guy that has already been in Lexington at some point and had a good relationship with the fans and had some success and left the program on good terms. Yeah, I, I would love to uh, – I mean, you made, a, you made a great point. There, There's going to be a much wider uh, cast net, I guess you could say, of, of potential candidates. I don't think he's going to get the job, but even a guy like Nero, yeah, he's going to get some buzz to be that coach. Again, I don't think he'll get it. But you think about – I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, a lot of these coaching searches – the, the people who are going to be hot five years from now, we might not even know who they are at this point. They might not even have established themselves yet. Um, but I would like to know in coaching communities how this job will be viewed. And again, I mean, it depends on when it is, what happens from now until then. But, I mean, Stoops has kind of performed some miracles here. This, this was a job that did not have really – I think arguably they had the worst, if not the worst, they were right there in the bottom five in terms of power five talent. They were easily one of the worst teams in the country in, in power five. And, you know, he didn't have a transfer portal to lean on 
those first few years. I've actually thought about that some, maybe how things would have been different or how much quicker or what would have happened if he did have access to one year transfers and things like that, but he didn't and he had to build it and it uh, probably helped the foundation, honestly, that they were able to, to do it the way that they have. But whenever he leaves, will coaches view, because prior to Stoops, it was kind of a coaching graveyard. I mean, Rich Brooks was the best coach in my lifetime and, you know, he never won more than seven regular season games yet. Everybody felt like he did a good job. I feel like he did a good job at Kentucky. So that kind of tells you how low the expectations were. This next guy who comes in, I mean, fans have seen now that you can win 10 games at Kentucky, not just once. They've done it twice now in four years. Might have a team next year that's, you know, capable of doing the same thing, potentially, if they catch some breaks. So will we'll coaches view this as a job where you can compete for the SEC East? Will they still think, you know, Georgia's in that division, Florida's in that division, maybe Tennessee will figure it out one day. It's, you know, potentially three teams every year who might be more talented than you. So I think that's going to be a great, uh, a great discussion to have one day. And if you're really thinking big picture, more likely than not, Mitch Barnhart won't be the guy making that hire either. I don't know how much longer Mitch plans to be the AD, but I would guess if Stoops is here at least five more years, I think Barnhart might be retired by then. So that'll be another fun thing to follow. But I mean, I know I've talked a lot here, but it's just so impressive to me you can lose a guy like Liam and then out of nowhere hire the San Francisco 49ers quarterback coach. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think uh, it's a very exciting time to be a Kentucky football fan. It is. I agree with that. It, it's a, to me, it's a very good hire. It's one that comes with a lot of buzz. You, you see a lot of positive talk on social media today about this hire. And uh, I think Kentucky got a guy that's going to have success in Lexington and Stoops is obviously very happy about this one, and I'm sure when, when UK sends out some official uh, press release on this one, probably next week, we'll get a good quote from Stoops. We'll get quotes from uh, Scangarello, and we'll have all that here on Kentucky Daily. We wanted to hop on here and record something about the hire and, and the report, and then we're going to also drop an episode previewing Kentucky and Arkansas tomorrow at Bud Walton Arena. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. you got three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. Visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.